Hi, I'm Jeremy Simon with 3D Universe, and I'm here today with my co-host, Jen Owen. Welcome to 3D Universe Untethered. In this video podcast series, we get to hear from people across varying industries about the great things they're doing with digital fabrication. As always, you can visit 3duniverseuntethered.com to see our upcoming episodes and access recordings of our previous episodes. You can also get 3D Universe Untethered as a podcast through any of the major podcast platforms. In today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Agustin Arroyo, known online as Flowalistic, about some of the projects he's shared. Several of these projects have to do with recycling or upcycling materials that would otherwise have ended up in a landfill. That's something we're very interested in here at 3D Universe because, you know, 3D printing does offer environmental benefits by offering the ability to produce items where they're needed, when they're needed, but it also creates some waste. And uh, you have that plastic from failed prints and things like that. So we love projects that provide ways of putting those materials to great use. So, Agustin, welcome. Thank you very much for, for inviting me today to, to show some of the projects I've been working on on, on the last seven, eight years. And yes, you mentioned how did I transition from just 3D printing objects, which is something that I've been doing and that I will do until the day my 3D printer stopped working, basically. Uh, but also how, how I learned to make the best out of 3D printing so we can start recycling back on schools, at home, anywhere. That's wonderful. So I, we're really excited to hear about those projects. But before we do, let me ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Just tell us a bit about your background and uh, anything you'd like to share, education, work, whatever brought you down the path that you're on. Okay, fun story. Uh, I discovered 3D printing through movies when I was a kid and and. I'm not an engineer, like when I got into 3D printing, I, I felt like a, a little bit overwhelmed because I didn't know how to how to properly assemble my first kit 3D printer. I have a graphic design background, but, but I always like making, like with sticks, with glue, uh, breaking up electronic appliances as anyone else. But one day in 2013, I think, I realized 3D printing was, was accessible, was affordable, and I got one 3D printer in... in let's say six months, my life completely changed. I went from, I want to be a graphic designer to I'm absolutely going to work with 3D printers for the rest of my life. And I started designing and, and sharing with the community because when, when I first failed at assembling my, my 3D printer, I had to go to many forums to go to YouTube and I got so much help from the maker community that I felt that I had to get some something back. So I, if I was sort of good at designing or I enjoyed designing, I said, hey, why don't I share it? And I, I moved forward one year. I, my, my 3D printer was still working. I was quite happy. And I started designing some, some low poly models for 3D printing because this is a, if you've been long enough in this industry, You've been, uh, you've lived, experienced that moment when people thought 3D printing was a plug-and-play technology. Spoiler, it wasn't. So I started creating models that actually offered that, that oddly satisfying experience of just slicing something. You don't care about the settings. You press one button and you get one print with no support material. So I ended up making, well, not sure if, if you are watching this on YouTube, you will see I started making these uh, low-poly models based on, on some of my favorite video games and, and movies. And they became quite viral. And, and I realized 
there was an opportunity for me to to continue um, actively helping people in the maker community, inspiring kids to get into 3D printing and, and, and STEM in general. So yeah, that's basically my life, my introduction. I, I was lucky enough to be there in the right moment. I started sharing. I liked it and, and the community also liked 3D printing my models. That's wonderful. I, it sounds awfully familiar, I, and I'm, I'm sure, Jen, you're thinking yeah. the same thing. You know, Jen and I both, I think, got involved with the maker community really from that same reason of, we, I, I know I was drawn to that sharing open source, how everyone creates things, then shares it back to the community, and that really drew me in. I, you know, Jen, for those yeah. who don't know, really started the Enable Volunteer community, which is based on that same thing, the maker community just coming together to do great things. and. I, that, that really is uh, what what drew me to it as well. Mm-hmm. It's incredible to see that no matter where we are, uh, we share some common values, and and that makes the maker community a global community. That's right. We, it, yeah. it, it doesn't matter where you are. It's incredible. It was. Incre- I still remember the first person that 3D printed one of my designs in New Zealand. I couldn't believe it. I was based in Spain. I hadn't shipped anything to New Zealand, oh, yeah. but the fact that it's distributed design, that people could improve my models, mind-blowing. It's very exciting. I still remember it. <laughs> okay, so I, I have a, a bit mm-hmm. of a technical question from a design point of view. When you create these low-poly models, how do you do that? Are you building them as low-poly models, or are you are you building more of a... A, a normal model and then sort of uh, de uh, sort of reducing the, the 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 number of faces or how, how do you actually do that? Well, as I ha- I studied graphic design in a fine arts university, so my teachers were quite old school. So when I learned three D modeling, I did everything from scratch. Each polygon is in the right place because I place it there. It's not like I was decimating a a high density mesh, not at all. Although I did that to create a low poly model early this week. Uh, But yes, it was everything from scratch based on on paper sketches, um, analyzing existing 3D models and and captures from video games and illustrations. So it felt more like art rather than design. Although I know that my process is extremely inefficient. Well, it it, it takes a lot of work, to be sure, but you said something interesting earlier that I hadn't realized, that you designed these in part to make it so that people could just print without having to worry about anything. Don't have to worry about settings or supports or just just click go. And, And that's really interesting. So as you designed these, did you also think about printability and how how much of an overhang do I have here and thinking about the actual 3D printing concepts in your design approach? Absolutely. In fact, my my final project in university was about low poly design applied to 3D printing, because it's it's a design style that completely it can be completely merged with the design for for all these manufacturing principles. So in the end, I basically had one of the worst 3D printers on the market back then. Back in 2013, some 3D printers didn't even have a cooling fan, so overhangs were a massive issue. So when I designed everything, I, I 3D printed with the worst possible settings, no cooling fan, incredibly thick layers. And if that worked, I shared the model. Of course, it took me several iterations to get to the right design, people complaining, hey, my 3D printer is actually worse than yours. Could you 
mm, revisit <laughs> the overhangs, please. And and of course, I, I was at that moment. I I loved it. it. Was a very important personal project. So I was like, let's do this. Let's improve them all so anyone can 3D print it. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so you have some other projects that I'm anxious to get to, but before that, let's connect the dots here. You mentioned how you fell in love with 3D printing and started sharing these low-poly models. They caught on, um, but this is all still just sharing. I, at some point, this must have led you down a path where you could actually earn an income. So how did you make a career out of this? This was basically fake it till you make it. So, so I started. <laughs> yes, it's it's completely true. I still can't believe that mm-hmm. I ended up being part of this community. But from from let's say the corporate point of view, which I'm incredibly proud of, because I I never expected that to happen. But for example, thanks to platforms like Patreon, people could support me. They got access to mm-hmm. uh, behind the scenes content, early access to 3D models. So. That's allowed me to spend everything I got back into filament, into 3D printers. And they gained more and more traction, which, of course, took me a lot of time. And this has been my main hobby for for many years. But um, when I finished university, I moved to France. I I was part of of, uh, Cutter Design, which is a company focused on laser cutting. And that's also helped me to understand everything I did. Artist in residence is called in French uh, at a local fab, mm-hmm. fab lab. So I also discovered many other technologies, CNC machining, for example, other types of 3D printing. So I started getting very interested in, in the fab lab community, not only the 3D printing community. And back when I, I moved back to Spain after a couple of years, um, and I got my dream job, which was working at a fab lab uh, that was part of an NGO. So, so I got to use uh, digital fabrication to help kids uh, that were at risk, that had dropped out of school, for example, or that had a very special uh, needs in terms of the 3D printing things they, they had to do at home or for school or for the community. So it was incredibly. And, and since then, I've been working with, with the 3D printing community, especially then I moved to work at a startup called Wikifactory, that it was all about collaborative design and distributed manufacturing. And since last year, uh, I've been working at Meiku, which creates, at least for me, the best mm-hmm. thermoforming uh, machines, equipment. I have here with me the, the form box. And I work here combining 3D printing, laser cutting, to allow our our users to transform their ideas into into molds, into final products. So basically, I can't believe how I got here. But while I worked at all those companies, also it's important to remember that all my free time, I spent it basically 3D printing and working on new projects that, that, that I could share with the community. You know, and that's so exciting to me because I've, I've always said what got me excited about this originally of 3D printing and digital fabrication in general is it's very empowering. It, it opens up possibilities for people that they, they just didn't have before, at least not accessibly. And, you know, you put this tool in somebody's hands and, you know, people start businesses or in your case, you know, you just started putting content out there. And, and it led to all kinds of new possibilities. And I just, I think that's so exciting that, that this, this technology is becoming more and more accessible to, to many more people. Now, I, I do hope that we, we get to talk a little bit about 
some of your projects that do involve the forming and the form box, because as, as many people listening or watching this know, Meku is a great partner of ours. We do uh, love our form box. In fact, we've been uh, doing a sort of a project over the last year or so where we've been sending technology to Jen, who's not a very uh, technology-oriented person, uh, per se. And we just figured, yeah. well, what would happen if we send Jen a 3D printer and send her a laser cutter and send her a, a vacuum former and just kind of see how it goes. And she's had so much fun with these, but especially the form box, right, Jen? I think yeah. that's kind of your favorite. The, yeah, the form box is, is definitely my favorite. Um, the, the 3D printer was kind of intimidating, even though I've been in part of the 3D printing community through Enable. Um, I was in the background, so I was the, the, the blogger and the, the voice of Enable, but um, everybody else was doing the 3D printing. So um, when I got my Ultimaker S3 and I unboxed it and I had to actually use the thing, um, it was kind of terrifying at first, but now I'm, I'm making um, succulent planters and feeding bowls for squirrels and all kinds of stuff. Um, and then I got the laser cutter sent to me, and my mind just went all different directions. And then I got the MayQ, and I realized I didn't actually have to use 3D printing or laser cutting to make molds. So I busted out my potatoes mm -hmm. and random things from around the house to make molds. And, um, you know, I just uh, recently made uh, little cakes. For squirrels and we had a tea party which we will share a video soon but um See, that's what yeah, i yeah i am doing all that's what that's what i've been having fun you. watching from a distance because you know jen is the, the fun part about this is jen is so much more creative than i am and and she's she's done creative things <laughs> with all these tools but with the form box especially boy i she's blown me away with all the things that she's come up with and that's i think the power of, of a tool like that and i don't want to i don't want to focus too much on that, that i want to get back to your projects but i I do want to hear what you're doing uh, with, with regards to some of the, the form box projects that you're working on along with everything else, Augustine. Well, Jen, you, you, I, I feel so identified with, with what you mentioned. I didn't have a technical background, so when I first got mm -hmm. into, into 3D printing, I was really intimidated by that technology. Like, I don't know how to use it. I'm not supposed to know how to use it. So that fear, I over came that fear by, by simply testing, learning by doing, and, and mostly failing uh, right. during the first year. But it was a great learning experience. And what I really enjoy about um, making molds with a form box is that it's an incredibly accessible technology. It doesn't matter your background. In right. just right. 10, 15 minutes, you can understand how you go from, from a template, which you can make with your own hands or you can 3D print it, to a final product. And that's something I really appreciate. And, and I think it's, it's something, it's one of the main reasons why I try to push this community to be more diverse, just because we need different backgrounds. We, we need to make this technology all technologies as accessible as possible. Because when I first joined, it was like, everyone's an engineer. They all know how to do everything. We better change okay. that. And I did it through design, but there are many different ways like sharing. But if, if, if you allow me, I will show you a couple of projects I've been working on with the Formbox because it truly shows how accessible this technology is or how Meiku thinks this technology uh, should be accessible. So, mm -hmm. Um, 
basically the form box has completely changed the chocolate industry because um, if you right. some years ago if you wanted to make a bonbon mold for example it would take you two months and hundreds of, of dollars or euros it doesn't matter your currency it would be extremely expensive to make a custom mold and the minimum order quantity would be like 50 molds even if you want one you need to order 50 so so when when I joined make you I took this personal and, and I was like, we need to be able to go to make one template and make one mold in the easiest possible way. And one of my favorite projects, which is completely documented on, on Meiko's blog, I made these two parts, um, taiyaki or, or fish mold mm -hmm. to make it out of chocolate. Yeah. And I tried all possible technologies. Like I have an FDM 3D printed version where you can clearly see the different layer lines but then I made an, uh, a resin 3D printed version which is super smooth yeah. but the fun part was making the, the, final, the final mold of course this has two different parts but with a, a couple of binder clips you can, you can actually close it and I made my own version uh, with plaster because I did a chocolate version, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, I, 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 I was forced, forced to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> it was delicious. <laughs> so basically, this super complex mold, I was able to design it in one day, 3D print the templates, make, let's say, a dozen molds, and then transform it into a sculpture or, or a piece of chocolate art. Of, of course, this is empty. I had to break it. So you can see this is... Uh, Handmade uh, a a well, it's a roto mold. Is it called a roto roto molding? Well, I basically filled half of the mold with with plaster. I rotated it with my hands, and when it when it solidified, I am uh, demolded it, and here I am. Mm -hmm. So, to me, this is a perfect example on how someone that doesn't necessarily have a technical background like a chocolatier or a pastry chef can finally transform their ideas into products, in their case, chocolate molds, in a super easy and accessible way. That, that's crazy. And I know over the last year I have the chance to collaborate with chocolatiers. This isn't just marketing. This is real. People thanking me like, thank you so much for, 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 for this machine, for this technology, and also for the resources. Because at Make we, we work really closely with the 3D printing community because Although you can make your templates with your own hands, we know that the true potential of thermal warming um, can, comes with 3D printers and laser cutting machines. To me, that's, that's the, the main goal, to show the whole uh, digital fabrication ecosystem. Right. Yeah, I did a, I did a project with um, using the laser cutter to make shapes for my molds for the MayQ. Um, I don't think I've done anything with the 3D printer yet, but as a creative person who likes to make things with my hands, um, I really like the idea that I can have an idea for something and just build it with cardboard or sticks or shells or a potato or clay and then make a form out of it and then replicate that over and over um, without having to you know, spend hours um, trying to design something when I don't have that technical knowledge yet. And I think that um, for, especially for teachers who are trying to get tech, technology into their classroom, um, 
I think there's a lot of teachers who are getting 3D printers and then doing a couple projects and then running out of ideas where, you know, a, a, or, they're, or they're intimidated by having to learn how to design to teach their students. Whereas with a make you, um, you know, you could have your kids in the classroom use clay and then yeah. everybody can yeah. make a mold out of that and then they can make plaster with it or jello molds or something to take home. And I, I think that is really a really cool tool that teachers could use in their classrooms versus a 3D printer where they have to wait for hours for just one kid's project to print versus, you know, getting all of them done in the same day. That's that's the main issue with 3D printing in, in, in an educational environment is that you either have a dozen 3D printers uh, for one classroom or it's going to be extremely slow. And, and talking about an accessible technology, I really like working on, on resources and projects where you can make a, a, a vacuum-forming template just with a card potato, polymer clay, a piece of wood, mm -hmm. not... Of course, we all love 3D printing. We are here, you are listening to this. I'm here because I love 3D printing, but it's not always the best solution, especially if, if you have a very limited amount of time. Because if you want to get a cool 3D print, you will need to spend 12, 24 hours with a 3D printer and 3D modeling. But you, 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 you take a knife, a potato, and in five minutes, you have a, a good enough template for, for most applications. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, good stuff. Um, well, I, I want to talk about some of your other projects as well, if we could, Augustine. And there's one that really caught my eye called the Pulpit Project. Can we talk about that a bit? Yeah. Okay, okay. Today, uh, I prepared my first prototype or, or my first final product made with that project because it was a huge failure, but it's really interesting as from an educational point of view. So basically, I've been um, not obsessed, but I love making 3D printable molds, so you can make anything you want. And, and some months ago, I was really tired of getting uh, packages, like I, I got some filaments, but I got a, a huge amount of cardboard that right. I was throwing away. Mm -hmm. And I had seen some other projects recycling cardboard with 3D printed uh, molds, and I was like, Let's design some new molds. Let, let's learn how to design this. Let's learn how to use, how to reshape hard cardboard. So um, I designed several different molds uh, in, which were published under the Pulpit, uh, well, I use that name. It's not very original, Pulpit Project. You can find it online. It's available for free. Mm -hmm. And it consists of a series of molds where you can basically pour in a mix of, um, and a little bit of water and glue to transform uh, a cardboard box you were going to throw away into a fully functional product. If you uh, are watching this with your eyes, this is not wood. It sounds like MDF, but this is cardboard. That's exactly what and I was, it was done. It looks like MDF. Yes. It's super solid. It's super functional. You can customize it with a logo on the bottom parts. Oh. And it's available for, for free and you can customize it. That's, that's the great part about sharing projects. I've seen people all around the world making their own customized molds thanks to, thanks to this project. So, yeah, 
recycling cardboard. So you truly, so you're truly pressing awesome. the mold mechanism, and then you're you're using the oh there it is okay, all right, and then yes. you're using like a clamping mechanism to apply pressure. Is that right? Exactly. I have the the vertical walls which will shape the parts. Then I have a top uh, a top lid which which will determine the functionality in this case. Well this, this one corresponds to a smaller version. This is to hold uh, to create a smaller version of this. Mm -hmm. Half the the thickness. And then what you do is you pour in all the pulp here. You press it with your own hands. Kids have so much fun with this type of molds. Mm -hmm. And then my favorite part is that I designed these super thin stamps. So you insert them inside the mold and then you press it this way. You use some clamps, you let it dry for 24 hours and then you can demold it and it takes two to three days to fully dry. And then you end up with this. And it's magic. It's so, so cool. easy. It's so Although, I must say, I not only showed the 3D models, I had to document the whole process because this was my first prototype. <laughs> and let's say it's a bit fragile. It holds some functionality, but the, this is the fourth version, and this is the first one. So you can see in, in a matter of hours how much you can improve just by, by learning, by doing, by testing. Yeah. And the great thing about this, Recycling cardboard uh, is much easier to recycle than, than melting plastic. And also, if you don't like this, you can reuse it again. You throw it inside the blender, add some water, add some uh, PVA glue, and that's it. You don't need anything else. That is very cool. That's amazing. Very creative. Yeah, there's just so much cardboard. Every Like you said, every time you order a spool of filament or something, it comes in another box. So... What a great way to make use of that. And I, I, I do think that would be another great project for yeah. a classroom. Like you said, kids would love yeah. working with those molds. That's great. Well, as someone, I use social media quite a bit. Okay, so that, that's what the, that was a bit of context that was missing. And when I shared this, I got some haters. People saying, hey, but if you're trying to recycle, but you are using energy and plastic to create the molds, and why don't... And I, I simply had to say, okay, you are right, but you, are, you aren't getting this. If you try these projects in, in a school, for example, or, or if you run a workshop, people won't only make their own customized products and they will be happy with them. They will also learn the value of recycling. They will know that cardboard can be easily recycled at home, that they can transform it into new things. People usually miss the educational value and, and how much this can inspire future generations. And yeah, that's basically what got me into recycling, like feeling bad about generating plastic waste. But we, we often forget in the maker community the value of sharing projects just, just to inspire people. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I discovered Pulpit first, I, and then I stalked you on Twitter. Um, and Thanks. found your other project. And, um, and just seeing the, just seeing, I haven't done the Pulpit yet, which is on my list of things I want to make. But um, 
just seeing that got my wheels turning and I have a whole bunch of ideas already for things I want to make molds for in the May queue and make um, recycled cardboard and recycled plastic things um, just from seeing your one That's, project. That, so. that, that makes me really happy. These type of comments are the ones that, that make me stay and working until 3 a.m. On a, on a Saturday saying, I'm going to nail this pulpit mold. It's going to be amazing. People will really enjoy it. I know if yeah. people don't share what they make, I don't know if they made it. But, but from time to time, people say, hey, I'm using it. It was actually useful. And I'm so happy when I read those comments that haters, hey, hey, haters gonna hate. That's right. Makers gonna right. make, you know. And and you you yes. made an important point about the educational value of this. There's there's definitely you know too much of a uh, you know an automatic sort of habit built into our culture of just you know consume and then throw away. And and so anything that we can do to reinforce this idea that no, you can you can make use of those materials. Don't just throw them in the trash. You can do mm -hmm. very creative, meaningful things with them. I think that's a wonderful thing to reinforce. Well, I think that um, especially for the last two years where we've been in a pandemic and so many people are ordering yeah. things online, I know that like every week you walk, you know, you look out and there's big piles of cardboard yeah. out at the recycling. And, um, you know, it's just there's way more uh, cardboard coming to our homes than we are have ever had before. And I've... I've got boxes, and I'm a, I'm a uh, recycler, how do I use this some other way kind of person. So if I get a tiny little box, I'm saving it because it could turn into something else probably for my squirrels. There's, I don't know. There's definitely but, no shortage um, of, of cardboard, <laughs> but I'll tell you, another, another thing that we have no shortage of, at least those of us who are into 3D printing, is... Little bits of plastic, right? Little little strings from priming and little failed print pieces. And, mm -hmm. and you came up with another project to deal with that waste, didn't you, Augustine? Yes, and this story, uh, I shouldn't be sharing this, but, but I prefer to be transparent. So it was 2017, late 2017, like five years ago already? Wow, time flies. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I had been sharing these low poly models for years. So these low poly models were cool, but they didn't, they weren't completely functional. They, they, they I know they inspired thousands of kids. Like, like they said, wow, I love 3D printing now because, because of these low poly models, because it was the first thing I 3D printed on my 3D printer and it showed me the potential. But at one point, um, there's an initiative called Precious Plastic. And the, the guy that started that initiative, uh, Dave Hackens, I personally met him and we had a very fun chat. Um, some years ago, he shared a video saying, stop 3D printing crap. Uh, where he discussed how the 3D printing community over the last years, when, when with all the hype, they started 3D printing and 3D modeling things that weren't actually too useful. It was just for fun, and and that was maybe part of the problem because we we didn't think about what we were going to do with with those 3D printed items when once we ran out of place, for example. And at the, I took one screenshot of that video because at one point he showed like 40 images of 3D prints from Thingiverse 
maybe 15 of those 40 designs were mine. <laughs> and I, I felt attacked, like, <laughs> Dave, how are you doing this to me? I've been sharing so much. I contribute. Why are you doing that? And it was my fault, of course, because I had been the one that shared those models that were super easy to print, and that led people to 3D print hundreds of thousands of units of those low-poly models. Of course, that makes me happy, but again, I was partially responsible of generating a lot of plastic waste. And there's no way I can say, well, I don't care, because I actually care, because I want to, through, through digital fabrication and through the maker community, I want to make this world a better place. So what's, what's the first thing I did? I, I looked at my box of, of, of 3D printed waste, because I, I was keeping all that for myself. So one day I was going to make something with it. Okay. I, I placed all that in the oven tray in my own kitchen where I cook food. I turned out the, the oven and I said, I'm going to make some, some recycled plastic sheets so I can laser cut them later. Complete fail. Um, the plastic started bubbling. Terrible smell all over the kitchen. My girlfriend forbid me from um, melting any more plastic in the kitchen oven. I had to get my own mini oven. And I ended up creating a, a, one of my favorite projects, which is called Plastic Smoothie. And again, mm -hmm. as with pulpits, it consists of, of some um, um, free 3D models and 2D uh, laser cutting models that you can download and you can use to uh, laser cut recycled plastic sheets. If you are watching this, this is, my, this is one of the sheets I made. So this is art. And this is, and I'm never going to laser cut this, but of course I could because I managed to uh, make um, recycled plastic sheets. So this is PLA from 3D printing. These are these are failed prints that I um, I placed into the oven. They were heated, fused together, and then I pressed them so I got a consistent thickness so I could laser cut it. Mm -hmm. And if you're watching this, this is the best part. Uh, during one of the Maker First back in 2018, I got Joseph Prusa, another person responsible of generating a lot of plastic waste, to sign it. Oh, and, yes, one of my favorite belongings. But um, yeah, I, I've been so basically the plastic smoothie project is available for free. All my learnings, all my failures. Um, and when I mentioned some minutes ago that recycling cardboard is super easy, it was because I learned so much from recycling plastic and it takes so much more attention to detail to nail the process down. Because, for example, PLA cannot be um, heated many times without degrading. So at one point, I realized that I had already melted the same piece of plastic four times and when it cooled down the sheet, it cracked. Mm. It became unusable just because PLA has a limited, let's say, lifespan. And that's really sad. So I learned a very valuable lesson and I've been trying with different types of plastic, ABS, PETG, um, but everything's online. That's basically my sad story. That's very cool. <laughs> 
Yes. So have you, uh, you know, something I ran into on a recent project um, had to do with sort of melting uh, 3D printed materials together. And I, I ran into an issue where I realized that uh, it can be difficult when you're dealing with two different materials. They don't want to kind of bond together well. So have you done any of that where you're mixing different materials together or do you generally just use one material for each batch? Um, I use one material for each batch in terms of all this is PLA yeah. from different brands and different colors. But as you mentioned, I've had issues in the past where uh, even if you are using PLA, the PLA from one brand will have a different chemical composition to another brand because of the additives, because of, of the pigments. And that will mean they won't fuse together unless you manually um, combine them. So in the end, it's quite tricky. And I had the chance to join the precious plastic uh main workspace in the Netherlands say uh, two and a half years ago for, for a couple of weeks and they showed us how in when we are talking about industrial waste where they get tons or hundreds of kilograms of, of plastic waste they don't smell together and they and it cracks and that's something we need to address because we think there are only like 10 different types of plastic no there are several hundreds types of plastic and each color, each variation means a new type of plastic. Mm -hmm. So that we need to address that in the future. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good stuff. Um, well, let's see. Uh, you also, you, you've shared so many projects on, on Thingiverse. We won't get to go through all of them. I, I saw you were working on some chain mail, right? Yes. So... Um, Another thing I haven't mentioned, I've been teaching 3D printing at a local university here. I'm based in Madrid, Spain. And, and of course, I need to come up with new 3D models to show to my students for assignments or just to inspire them. Uh, so I designed a 3D printable chainmail, which is super addictive. And it sounds like real chainmail. And it's so cool because, well, right now... Uh, early to uh, 2022, interlocked 3D printable models are a thing again. They become viral on TikTok. And I really love this design. First, because it's a great torture test for your 3D printer. And second, because it shows how things um, can be 3D printed already in place with no assembly. And I love it. And that design also is available for free. And there's a new version where you can interlock different parts. And I did some pixel art with the chain mail. Uh, so yeah, go check my Thingiverse. My user is Flowalistic and, and download all the models, make them, share some makes, and, and please recycle that plastic Absolutely. in some years, if you can. <laughs> Well, it is uh, definitely an inspiration to be talking with you, Augustine. You've done so many cool projects, mm -hmm. and, it, and it really inspires creativity in others, which is wonderful. Um, what do you have planned? What do you have any any projects that you're thinking about doing? Uh, next steps. So, um, 
soon, really soon, it could be days, it could be weeks, I will be sharing a new version. I, I did some 3D printable trophies because with my students at the end of the semester, I, I give away some, some trophies like to the worst student, the best student, the one that did the worst 3D model, but then it managed to be 3D printable. So I'm going to be sharing some, some uh, different designs of trophies so you can 3D print at home, give away during uh, a Christmas, giving away on school. So so, so yeah, we, we we can give away something that people will will keep on their shelves and be proud of. Very nice. And more models coming, curi- of course. I am curious um, for your your plastic smoothie sheets. Um, would that be something that I could use in the MakeU and use that as a sheet? And give me and one form? second. I have something amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I keep all my tests and all my projects, unfinished projects, in a box. <laughs> this is so cool. Thanks for asking. So, not sure if you can see this. I 3D printed some vacuum forming sheets compatible with the form box and they run a workshop. So this is recycled plastic where I added some pigments. I 3D printed this with a pellet um, extruder attached to a 3D printer and I could use it. Fun thing, this is PLA and it doesn't work too well with vacuum forming. PETG is much better. That's what I was going to ask. So yes. Um, on, I think on, on MakeU's uh, YouTube channel, there's a playlist with community videos. And there are a couple of videos where people show how to make uh, recycled plastic sheets, not with 3D printing, but with, uh, with a common iron, like making some, using some uh, plastic bags, for example. And it's incredible. Wow, it's one of my okay. favorite applications. But this is a Formbox compatible recycled plastic sheet, and it works. Not so, not very well, but it works. Wow. Very cool. Okay, I've got more things yeah. added in my list. I'm really sorry for for all these ideas, but I need to share them. They will be valuable for someone, Absolutely. I guess. Yeah, I'm gonna have to figure out how to live to be like 150 because I have so many ideas. I need more time. <laughs> yes. Hope, hopefully, one day we will be able to multiply ourselves or slow down time. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, I, I I know for sure that I will die, and my to-do list will still have plus a hundred yeah. items. Like st- I will still have written them like continue recycling plastic in creative ways. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I I have this I have this choice I have to make. Do I start dating after divorce or do I keep just using my weekends for making mm-hmm. stuff? So far, I've been making stuff. <laughs> We will never have enough time. I think that's that's no. why, it's, why it's important to to share also some unfinished projects because people think it's kind of frustrating. Oh, okay, it's frustrating to to find the project you've been looking for and only to realize it's only a prototype. But that's a good starting <laughs> point. And if you're into um, open source, you will know that you can build. You, you don't need to build from scratch. You can. Take that as a starting point, improve it, reshare it, and the cycle begins all over again until someone is too tired to work on a prototype and they say, okay, I'm going to go watch Netflix. But that's really important (laughs) too, to share ideas, to share unfinished projects. It's what defines the maker community. We have more Mm -hmm. unfinished projects than finished projects. Right. Right. 
Yeah, it's it's really important, and and it's and it's important to encourage people on that note. Don't be shy. You know, share things, share your failures as well as your successes, because that's where the learning happens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, talking about sharing my, my first projects, um, I recently shared a 3D printable wallet design, which I'm quite proud of, but this also reminded me that my, the first project I ever shared on Thingiverse back, back in eight years ago, I think, it was a 3D printable wallet, and it was a terrible design, and a couple of months ago, I, I told myself, hey, you should delete that project. You don't want people to know your your 3D modeling skills were terrible back back eight years ago. But it was like, no, I don't want to. Because first, that design may be useful for someone, not many people uh, today, but okay. But it also reminds me uh, how much I've improved thanks to, to the community. Because of all the tutorials I've had to watch on YouTube over the last eight years to become who I am today. Yeah. So, yeah, that project is there, people. Please don't make fun of my 3D modeling skills. I was, I was just getting started. Yeah. Enjoy my latest design, which is a bit better. <laughs> what do you do your design work in, by the way? What tool do you use? Um, I usually use Fusion 360 because I got used, but um, back when I was in, in university, I learned some 3DS Max. I'm, it's been on my list for years, but I want to learn uh, Blender too. Uh, but yeah, I encourage people to use any software they want. Whatever works for you. Um, also, it's important to support open source initiatives. Yeah. Although, yeah, I love Fusion 360. I, I can't help that. That's right. Yeah. Well, good stuff. I'm so glad that you were able to come and share some of these projects with us. I, I know you've gotten our creative juices flowing, and I'm sure you've done that for some of our listeners. So thank <laughs> you so much for joining yes. us today, Augustine. We're going to share links to your projects and your work where people can follow you online. Uh, where where uh, can people go to learn more about you and your work? What's the best site to visit for that? Well, um, ser- Google search for my username, Flowalistic, and you will find my Instagram, my Twitter, Thingiverse, Cools, everything. Uh, my website, my, my personal portfolio has been on, in maintenance mode for the last two years, but Instagram is a very good way to, to start knowing a little bit more about me. Excellent. Well, we'll share those links along with the video and podcast. Well, thank yes. you so much, and thanks everyone for watching. I hope you'll join us again next time.